Welcome to the Time Machine. Experience the cancer journey through the eyes of the traveler. Luke Anderson, welcome back. It's uh, greetings from Seattle. You're in Denver. Greetings from Denver, yeah. <laughs> yes, this is the first time that we, we had a chance to sit down and speak. Um, man, it seems like forever ago, even though it was a short time ago. Yeah. Because so much has happened since. And so um, yeah. I'm excited to hear um, about your uh, experience in Denver in transplant. Our My first idea, which was a bad one, was that we would do a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that we would do it from our hospital beds and we would, uh, you know, try to do it like while we're in the process. And yeah, that process is a little more difficult than... <laughs> but Yeah, um, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> that wasn't going to work. Um, no. but it's, it's exciting to, uh, to have you and, and to, to catch up. So for those that didn't hear the, the first podcast that maybe you're hearing this for the first time, um, if you can maybe give a, you know, a kind of recap of, of your diagnosis and sure. kind of what's happening and then we'll get into the transplant process. Just and a brief, brief summary. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. All right. Well, I guess, uh, my journey, or I guess my wife and I's journey, uh, really started in April of last year. So it's been just about a year and I was actually just doing yard work one week and started having some shoulder pain. So went into the doctor and he was just like, you know, take some Tylenol. I'm sure, sure it'll get better. But, uh, about a week later I started having really severe chest pain in my ribs, sternum. So we actually ended up going to the ER for that because the pain got so bad. And they took some labs, put me on some steroids, felt better, went on my way. As soon as that ended, uh, it just got progressively worse to the point where I was having night fevers or night sweats, fevers, uh, all, the, all the really fun stuff of just being really sick and in pain. And we got to the point where I was so miserable that we went back to the ER the last weekend of May. And we just kind of demanded answers and they did a CAT scan, found out that uh, there was something eating through my bones. So that's when they found the, the leukemia, which is, uh, uh, I have acute lymphoblast leukemia and I have a mutation in my bone marrow cells that causes it. So I was life flighted down to Denver because of my physical condition and they started the chemo right away spent 30 days in the hospital, uh, tackled that, you know, came back to Montana and started recovering in Montana, just continuing the chemo regimen. Uh, eventually got the bad news that cancer had relapsed. So we had to shift gears in September and I was sent down to Denver again to start a new, uh, kind of chemotherapy and a new chemo pill to get me back in remission so that we could head forward with the transplant. So, uh, on December 22nd, uh, I received my brand new stem cells from a German donor, 19 years old, halfway around the world, <laughs> which is incredible. It's amazing. Uh, 
they flew it in on a giant refrigerator <laughs> and then put it in like a huge keg looking thing uh, filled with uh, liquid nitrogen. And, and uh, so after four days of intense radiation and another couple days of chemotherapy, they gave me those new, new stem cells. And here I am today growing new bone marrow and, and on the way to recovery. So, yeah, so you're, you're day plus 89 for those that are in the yep. transplant world, that's 89 days past um, yep. the transplant and the goal date is a hundred to in our protocol. And so ironically, like I'm five days ahead of you where yeah. we, we met and talked and then we ended up five days apart and transplant in two different cities. Um, but which is going, incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been a, it's been a, a great blessing to be able to talk to you through the process and yeah. because, you know, we've, you know, shared similar things. And then there's a lot of stuff that you went through that, you know, is far different than me and your radiation. I'd love to talk about that because your radiation sure. protocol was far more intense than, than mine. So, um, how was that? Oh man. Uh, well, of course, when you're preparing for transplant, they sit you down with every, all the doctors that control each part of the treatment and they, they sit down with you and tell you all the potential side effects and drugs you're going to be on. And so I remember the, the radiation doctor kind of made it seem like it was, Oh, it'll be pretty mild, you know, but that's not what I'd heard <laughs> from other people that had gone through transplant. So when I started the radiation, I would lay down on a bed and they tar it was targeted. So they take detailed measurements of your body so that they only target uh, your body and then they shield your lungs. But so twice a day for four days, I laid on that bed for about 20 minutes while they blasted me with radiation. The first few days, I actually felt pretty great. My nurses were really impressed with how I was doing. I was still walking around and then when I got to the chemo, that's when the side effects started hitting where you're just starting to feel the fatigue and the nausea, your appetite starts going away and slowly the chemo and the radiation, they do their work on your body where you just, you just get to a low point where you can hardly get out of bed. Just taking a shower is enough exercise for the day that you just want to kind of pass out afterwards. So, um, but that's, that means it, it worked. <laughs> yes. It did its so, job. So when you went into that, what was the duration between the radiation and the chemo? And then you were inpatient mm -hmm. by yourself because you weren't able to have a caregiver with you, right? Yeah. No visitors, which was really tough. And that was really tough on, on my mom was in Denver at the time. Um, but it was also tough for my wife who eventually was my caretaker when I got out. Uh, but yeah, the, the radiation twice a day, like I said, and then immediately after four days of radiation, they started me on cytoxin, uh, for two days and it's kind of a slow drip thing. And they have to put you on some other drugs to prevent, um, you can get problems with your bladder and stuff. Uh, and then I had one day of break and then, 
on the 22nd, that's when they, it's, they gave me the new stem cells. So the new stem cells went in through my central line in my chest. A lot of people think it's a surgery that you undergo (laughs) that where they actually have to inject new bone marrow in you, but no, the stem cells go into your bloodstream and, and then they engraft into the bone and, and start growing new bone marrow. So. And that process is pretty quick. Cause I was, I was pretty yeah. surprised that to me, it, in my mind, it was going to take a long time, but it was a, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes. And yeah, I'd say that was about what mine was too. Yeah. And then after, so your initial stay from radiation, chemo transplant, like how long were you in patient before you were able to actually go outpatient? Well, uh, they, they want to see engraft, they call it engraftment, which means the new bone marrow is growing and it's producing those new blood cells, you know, the red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. So I started growing my first cells right around day, I want to say 11. And then slowly my, uh, those cell counts came up to the point where uh, they felt comfortable releasing me. And I would say that was, man, what, what day was it? <laughs> it's hard to, I think it was right around day 20. It was in the early twenties. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was a few weeks after, uh, the actual transplant that they allowed me to get out of the hospital. So I, I think I was in the hospital total, including the radiation for right around 30 days or 31 days. So. so I want to dive into that a little bit because that's a, it's a unique situation to be hooked up yeah. in bed, getting vitals. So how did you handle day to day? how did you get through, you know, how do you, you know, with the fatigue, with the constant monitoring and the, you know, constant vitals, oh, and yeah. <laughs> all of those things can you kind of walk us through a little bit of, you know, how you dealt with that and kind of the challenges of it? I think the initial, I think the initial week was very hard, you know, going through the radiation, especially because I just knew what was ahead. (laughs) And so I was sitting in my room, you know, alone a lot, just trying to keep my mind busy, trying to read scripture, trying to encourage myself, you know, asking God for strength (laughs) um, for the upcoming but I think it was more so hard just because it was the holidays and uh, just not being there with my wife and uh, our families for, for Christmas. That was definitely difficult. Uh, so a lot of time spent, you know, on Zoom, Zoom calls or FaceTiming. Um, but then once, once the chemo and radiation kind of set in, they call it the nadir period where it's just you're, it's your low point and you're just like kind of on survival mode, <laughs> just sleeping. And it takes everything, all, all your energies to eat, <laughs> just to force food down to make sure you're getting nutrition. You lose a lot of weight. I lost, I've lost 30 pounds since transplant. I didn't have a lot to begin with. So, uh, definitely feeling weak, but just really, trying to motivate yourself to walk and get up and go to the shower and uh, do something, you know, Uh, but that's hard without, 
without being able to have a visitor. The nurses, they come in your room often and they talk to you, but it's not like having family there. Um, but yeah, the, one of the hardest parts about being in the hospital, you think it's the treatment itself, but it's the constant blood, blood workups, blood tests, uh, getting woken up every four hours to check vitals. You know, they got to make your bed. Uh, doctors are rounding on you. Food service people are coming in and out. So it's just so hard to get good quality rest <laughs> when you're feeling so weak. So that was kind of one of the big relief reliefs when you, when you get out of the hospital, you're just sleeping a lot better at night. You're with someone you love and <laughs> you're eating better food. So, yeah. It, as far as the caregiver goes, you know, I've noticed that with my wife that we're on kind of two different, you know, tracks because yeah. we're on the same journey together, but it's very, very different for them. And they carry, you know, such a burden yeah. You know, how is, um, you know, how has Carly handed, handled that? And, um, I know I've spoke to her and, and so I've heard from her, but, um, mm -hmm. how did she deal with that time that those, that you were inpatient and then she wasn't there. And then, you know, how did she make it through? Well, it was, it was really difficult because I came down to Denver for the transplant without her. She had to work to save up, you know, time. And so she, her mind was at least a little bit occupied on work and she had her family nearby. But I think the real struggle hit once she got down to Denver and she had to spend a couple of weeks alone in the apartment without me, without anybody else. She got really lonely. And of course I was in a physical state where just even talking it just, there weren't normal conversations and they took a lot of effort. So I think that's where she had a lot of time to just cry. <laughs> you know, she cried, but spent a lot of time with God and, and just prayed and try to keep busy. Fortunately, she has a, a friend down here that she's, she's seen quite a bit, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult journey for her. I mean, equally as difficult, I would say uh, not so much physically, but just the, just how much you have to do to take care of the other person and, and watch your loved one go through something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced personally that it's far, far harder for the caregiver because, yeah, you know, when you're in it, you know, there's things you can, you're in it and you, and, and you know how you feel and, and, and you can control certain things, just things you can't, but like, there's a, you know, from the outside, I, I think there's, it's, um, yeah. it's a, a different, a different burden. And so, um, I've noticed that that's the, uh, the, um, being impatient, I think was very, you know, difficult for Cassidy as well. I had two weeks where yeah. I was impatient and, and, um, so what a blessing to be out and, you know, yeah. in a, in the cottage as we call it here. Um, how you've mentioned faith a few times, and that seems yeah. to be a, a, a huge part of your journey. And for yeah. Carly, can you um, maybe tap into that a little bit and, and how, that's, yeah. how that's, you know, carried you through this? Well, uh, 
Carly and I's faith had been growing quite a bit before the diagnosis even. So even when I was initially diagnosed, there was that initial shock and awe factor, but God also gifted us a lot of joy and calmness uh, throughout this. And he's definitely gifted us patience because, you know, it's a long journey and uh, we just, we just had to submit to him daily because <laughs> we don't always know what the next day will bring. And that's tough at times, but we know that God has a greater plan and that he's greater than this disease. So we just had faith. We took it as an opportunity to, Hey, this is, this is a situation that God can turn into something good. So we, we kept a pretty positive attitude throughout the whole journey obviously we had nights of weeping and you know not everything's just easy yeah uh but god you know he he comforts comforts you when you most need and uh that was especially true in february i actually had to be readmitted and i just hit a low point because i was just i was so disappointed to be back in the hospital and uh it was just fevers and I had C. diff, which is very treatable. treatable. Uh, but the doctors just want to do every, you know, they, they really worry about transplant patients and infection. And so I was just not feeling good to start with. And then they did a biopsy on me. So they went in, you know, they stuck a spike in my pelvis. And then I had three lumbar punctures in two days where they had to collect spinal fluid. And they messed up a couple times and hit the nerve. And it was just a lot of, it was more so just a lot of physical pain and just feeling drained from everything I'd already been through. Uh, so, and then I had a scope and a colonoscopy. So at the end of those two days, I just had to just sit there and cry in my hospital bed and just call out to God. And I, I just said no more no more for now, you know, but, uh, within a few days, the fevers cleared up and they didn't find anything wrong. I was able to go home and we just, every, every time something little comes up, whether it's financial or a logistical problem or anything like that, we just, we just have to submit it to God. Cause <laughs> as much as we can do, we can't do everything. And, and so, that's, yeah. that's been an important part of our journey, I would say. Yeah. It reminds me of the verse, count it all pure joy when you face trials of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> trials produce perseverance of the faith. And when that work yeah. is done, you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. But yeah. In the middle of it, it's, um, you know, it's a refining. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's, um, I had a few days where I cried in my bed and it felt good. <laughs> you just realized yeah, it does. Yeah. you just need to let that out. Yeah. You know, Jesus, um, Jesus wept. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, the, the lumbar puncture when, um, when they did that and it, and it, it was, uh, how did the, when it went wrong, what was the, the, I'm going to, I'm going to take you back to a bad spot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you're good. How did the, how did the, uh, how the pain manifest? Uh, well, they turned you over in bed. They numb your spine just a little bit in a little area and they stick a needle in your spinal fluid. They have to be very exact <laughs> where they go. 
And if you're too far on one side, you can rub, that needle can rub up against the nerve. And as soon as it touches that nerve, you can feel an intense burst of pain going down your legs or one side of your body. Um, it feels like your legs are on fire all of a sudden, like scorching. <laughs> uh, and it didn't just happen once. It happened multiple times within, she was, she had the needle in there for like 20, 30 minutes. And she just wasn't hitting the right spot where the spinal fluid was coming out. So finally she left without any spinal fluid. And she says, we're going to have to get another doctor to do this. The other he's, he's done more. So he has more experience. Um, and the day prior to that, I had, I was already irritated because i had had a normal lumbar puncture where they, they put methotrexate, which is chemotherapy in, into your spinal fluid. And so he told me, well, you've had, he, he kind of warned me that it's not going to be pleasant, even if I do a perfect job because you've had two in the last day. So you're, he said the lining was like irritated. So even just going in, even though it's numbed up was like kind of painful. It gave you a like a, almost like electric shock. Mm. So that was kind of the sensation, but then he was able to get, they, they took like five syringes of spinal fluid out. Usually only take one. Um, because they had to run all sorts of tests, but yeah. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> I think it's important because we, you kind of run over and I had a lumbar puncture and I, when they would say that or spinal tap, I, I said, you know, let's call it a, a spinal massage. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I called it a spinal massage <laughs> and I only got the one. And then when I heard your experience, you know, I was lucky. They, they did the same where they had someone that was, you know, she, she'd missed a few times, but I didn't get the, uh, the burning and the pain. And then some, yeah. somebody with a little more experience came in and, and, and did it. So, um, mm -hmm. and then they, they didn't do one at the end, which I thought they would. So, um, I'm, I was thankful that we didn't do one at the end because I had your story in my head of the, the burning. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, but you know, that's, um, you definitely have, you know, when you put those all together, I mean, it's, it's a lot. And, um, yeah, and it's, you know, the day after day, um, you look great. Um, thanks. Yeah. I see the joy in you <laughs> and, and saw that we're talking to, to Carly. Yeah. And so, you know, excited about what's next. And what I found is, you know, since we're day 94, we're, we'll be heading home, mm -hmm. um, in a week, you know, the P a lot of times people will go, okay, so you're good now. You know, like, I know like what's next and which is logical, like, or, yeah. logical, but I understand how they get there. They're like, okay, you got the transplant. You're good now. And there's a lot of things that, you know, they give you as far as material of these are the things that can happen. These are the, yeah. and so it's, you know, for, for us, we're starting kind of, um, you know, it's a new starting line and it's exciting because it's progress yeah. and it's forward, but you know, um, what do you see, you know, what's your hope going forward? What are the, the recovery process for you? Kind of, how are you going to do you have a plan of like, you know, when you go home, I was asked that yesterday and I'm like, oh, yeah. we're kind of day to day, but you know, we kind of have, you know, certain plans of things that, you know, we hope to do, but you know, it's uh, so anyways, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you guys kind of have yeah. planned for when you go home? Well, it's, it's certainly been hard to think that far ahead at this point. The, the doctors always keep you on your toes right now. We're uh, I had a bone marrow biopsy on, uh, this last week and, uh, the initial results looked good. We're just waiting on the, 
the results of the mutation there on some of my old bone marrow cells, there's a mutation that causes the cancer. So that mutation showed up in a very, very small percentage of cells on the previous biopsy. So uh, I went back on the chemo pill um, and that was planned anyways. And so that should clear up the mutation and we'll probably find out in the next week and a half, but tentatively it's April 1st. If everything looks good from the detailed report. Uh, so April 1st or April 2nd, we hope to be home by Easter. And then, yeah, it's just a lot more recovery. I really turned a corner a few weeks ago with how I was feeling my energy levels, my appetite. So I've been eating well and, and, and have plenty of energy to get throughout the day, but uh, I've lost a lot of weight. So that's kind of, you think of little goals like that once you're discharged of, okay, I, eventually I'll, I'm, we're going to get off this drug yeah. and taper off this and it'll go, it'll be like one appointment a week now, I think with my team in Billings, um, Carly's going to get back into the flow of working. Hopefully we're going to be able to get back to church, <laughs> uh, yeah. when we can. And yeah, you just, like I said, we haven't really planned too far in the future, but we've developed new habits and, and perspectives. So I'm sure our lives, our daily routine is going to be pretty different when, when we get back, just not only with the recovery, but also with our daily devotions and, and kind of thinking what's the next step and how we want to serve God and, and turn this into something good. So <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that was kind of our response was a day to day because there's so many unknowns and it was interesting reading the material where they're like, you know, don't go back to work for a year. If, if, yeah. if, if not with like things that surprised me and, and then as they, you know, go to each body part and things that can happen and mm -hmm. things to, you know, like, so there was, there was a, a lot more, you know, not to mow the grass for, like for me, yeah. you know, for a, a year and, and that's going to be tough for me. <laughs> yeah. Not no garden. Don't be around animals. Yeah. Like all these little, little things that are, um, that are interesting yeah. kind of add ons. But, um, as far as, you know, like that putting weight back on and stuff like that, I realized it's going to be a, you know, I lost yeah. 30 pounds and it's, it's going to take, take time to kind of regain that health. I had a friend that I met here, and uh mark and he um he got a transplant and went back and you know he got really active right away and then had four days where he got fever and went into the hospital oh, and they said they thought maybe it was because he was, you know, <laughs> was chopping down his you know he was like doing some tree trimming or you know? yeah and um so it made me go you know realize you want to get back to a, a certain you know, routine, but also realize there's that balance of, of putting the body back together and it's going to take, take some time. So, yeah. So. Yeah. It's, you know, they, they tell you all these things when you're diagnosed with leukemia, what you can't do, but in between your appointment, you're not on immunosuppressants. And so in between, oh, sorry, the fire, I don't know if you can hear that yeah, fire truck's going. <laughs> We're right next to the uh, fire station, but anyways, it's, it's, it was a little bit 
different when I was diagnosed with leukemia, they, t- they tell you all the same things. You can't clean, you can't mow your lawn, you can't do any of that, all the fun stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really liked doing the lawn, so I was really disappointed, but I still was able to mow my lawn last summer quite a bit because in between my appointments or in between my chemo sessions, my immune system would rebound quite a bit. I'd be, I'd feel really healthy for a week or so. And I wasn't on any immunosuppressants, but this time around, they, they get on you. They're pretty serious about who you're, who you're around and, and what you're doing. So yeah. it's going to be interesting how I, how I fill my time. Definitely trying to get in shape, walking, stuff like that. So uh, we're fortunate. We have a lot of family around who are willing to step up and help us clean or mow or, or whatever yeah. we need. So how's the fa- And I know your, your family's come and supported you and, and maybe uh, how, how was that being in Denver <laughs> in your, in your spot, having, you know, mom and dad come. Yeah, that was, that was a blessing when they came because Carly and I were just burnt out from that week where I had to go back in the hospital. So just for them to show up and just help go get groceries, you know, that's a big, it's a big deal, uh, just to be present and maybe cook a few meals for us, just be there, play some board games. Uh, that's what I really miss when I was in the hospital, just the community and family. And so that's, you savor those moments for sure. Uh, Carly's mom was able to come down after them and uh, really treat us. So that was also really nice. Yeah. You've, but, had, uh, you've had tons of support from your church family yeah. and from, and yeah. it's funny how when you go through things like this, you, it kind of distills things down to what's important, which is, you know, your relation with God, your relation with family and all of the yeah. other stuff kind of, you know, goes away and it's, it's, um, it's given a, a nice focus on what really matters. Yeah. Um, so I, I imagine there are, you know, people that may be going into the transplant world that they may listen to this, you know, do you have any, uh, any maybe words of wisdom of, you know, or tips <laughs> or things going in or of, you know, mindset or, or how, yeah. to, how to kind of tackle the process or what worked for you. Cause what I found out is sometimes things may work for me and it may work for someone else or may not, but like, well, uh, I would definitely say, obviously there's all sorts of different types of transplants. So everybody's journey is a little bit different. Yours was very different than mine. You had some pretty serious, uh, you know, complications after yours and mine weren't quite serious. Uh, so everybody's different. You had a little bit different treatment too, mm-hmm. but I would say what really helps is just, obviously I'll share my advice, but just even getting in contact with someone who's been through it before. It's really comforting when you know, others who've gone through it, they can, someone you can call, you know, uh, and even ask questions or whatnot. But I would say, I didn't really know what to do to prepare other than just obviously I have my faith, which, which has really got me through this process, but definitely gain weight (laughs) before the transplant, gain as much as you can. I'm already a thin guy. My metabolism was already high. 
So it was already tough for me to gain weight before the transplant. Um, I'd say plan out your days, just give you, give yourself something easy to do every day, exercise as much as you can when you're feeling well, that's, that helps with the energy. Um, it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to give much more advice other than to just don't take anything for granted. <laughs> yeah. Really listen to your body. Uh, trust, trust your medical team and ask lots of questions. I mean, you, we had so many doctors looking over me that sometimes they miss something or they, they don't communicate it to each other. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are yeah. all really good. We, those all <laughs> resonate with me. I, I gained weight before cause I knew, I knew I'd lose weight. I didn't know I'd lose 30 pounds. So yeah. I put on weight before Same. I'm glad I did because you know, there's not much more to lose. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, having a competent, you know, engaged caregiver was just a oh, blessing. Yeah. I know you have that That's with really Carly important. and yeah. and I have that with Cassidy that they, you know, they, they don't miss anything. And, you know, it, it allowed me to concentrate on just, you know, mindset yeah. of, of what to do next. And, you know, I know I asked like, you know, what's in the future and, you know, what, what I found in, in the process was keeping it, you know, kind of moment to moment, the next thing, because if I ever looked too yeah. far ahead, it just became overwhelming. And yeah. so kind of being in the present and finding things to do, like to exercise, to sleep, to, yeah. Know, um, and, and keeping, keeping things, you know, close, um, was really calming to the mind, you know, yeah. first, you know, for both of us as men of faith, it was, you know, that was the main thing was just to lean into, you know, yeah. the truth of scripture and the promises and knowing that, you know, for me, God is sovereign. He's in control and my days are numbered according to his will. So I submit to that and, yeah, and, and you know, and then just move forward and in, in the, in each moment, trusting him. But, um, it's definitely a, a individual and unique, you know, uh, journey. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of Pilgrim's progress, the dangerous journey, because when you're, when you're in it, it's, you know, it's definitely, you know, um, you're tested on, on so many levels, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, yeah, know, it's, it's, um, with that, you, any parting thoughts, any, anything, um, well, to say, or <laughs> I would just say, if you're, if you have some sort of faith, that's kind of what you just said is, is kind of what I was going to wrap it up with was every time, I had something difficult going on. I'd always kind of compare my situation to someone else's, even though everybody's unique and they give you all the scary things that can go wrong, side effects, statistics, all that. But every time I heard those numbers, I just I had to remind myself, just think, think of things above, you know, uh, these are, these are worldly worries and God is so much bigger than, than this. So and my situation is so much different than everybody else's. So definitely advice to anybody who's going through a transplant is just don't, don't compare yourself to others. Don't worry when it's kind of like the day-to-day -day thing, because something's going to pop up. <laughs> Transplants yeah. are hard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, get I, through I, it. I agree with that as far as like, I would take in the information, but then I would put it to the side to say, yeah. you know, like if yeah. you gave me 90, you know, 
90% of people don't make it, then I'd be like, okay, on the 10%, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, um, exactly. I would absorb the information, understand it, but I would, I would steer to, you know, hope and, and, and yeah. possibilities and, and try to, um, focus on things that, you know, um, were positive and I could have control over instead of the things that could kind of, you know, yeah. I guess the last thing for me was, you know, I would just reject any fear, worry, or anxiety, that, mm-hmm. you know, um, scripture says, you know, for us not to have worry, anxiety to cast it on him. He cares for us. And, and so I felt that was a a constant thing. If anything came up that I would would hear the information and then take it in. Cause I know the doctors did that. That's their job. And then I would go, you know, then I would, I would steer away. And I think that was, um, you know, one of the things that was helpful along the way. Well, look, man, it's, it's a pleasure (laughs) to, to talk to you again. And I'm, I'm excited to see you back in Billings. I, I know I can't Carly. wait. It's, we're, um, we're on the cusp. <laughs> we're it. It's you know I think it's um, it's interesting how God brought us together, and then how we went through this journey. And it to me, it's been a huge blessing to be able to to call you and text you along the way through the ups and the downs, and and like you said before, being able yeah. to talk to someone on the journey has been um, has been a, a huge benefit. And so we're yeah. just we just love yeah, you same guys. For us. And we're just, you know, we're happy for yeah. you guys to be so close to home and, and I know. getting into the plus nineties and yeah, you know, all of that. So, um, yeah, we just, love you guys too. It's been, it's been a huge blessing having, having you guys around <laughs> and yeah. sharing this journey with. So, well, we love you, man. And thanks again thanks. For, for sharing your story and we will see you back in B town. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. God bless you too. See ya. The world of transplant is ever-changing. Just four days after we recorded this podcast, Luke and his wife Carly received news that altered their course and will mean more treatments and several more months in Denver. Their faith and courage remain unwavering.